0: Thank
1: and it really is good to be with you, and it's so good just to see people growing. But I can't resist, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you. It's just great, Natalie, see you doing that, serving the church so well with uh, not just doing the notices, but all the admin stuff, and sorting that blog out, including our very stupid misspelling, on one, which is quite funny. We put condensation instead of condescension, but it made, it made it quite nonsensical at one point, and she was so polite and courteous. I don't quite understand this sentence. I said, it's okay, it's nonsense. We've got to a mistake. So, but I just remember... Sorry, Natty, I just remember you getting saved as a, as a teenager from the Grove... And I think it was probably Luke's year you're were in, weren't you? Luke, my son's year. It's just brilliant to see God saving someone, going on in God, growing, maturing, serving the church. That's what it's all about. It really is. Thousands more like Natalie, Hastings, local person, just, you know, outside of the kingdom of God, not knowing really anything about Him, coming to know Him. And it's just been glorious to see her growing and going on in God, isn't it? But she's just one of many. And uh, it's so good to be here with you. Uh, as most of you know, uh, Marion and I uh, grew up here really and were leading the church for, for years until 2002 and we went to, um, went to Winchester. And so when I came back for this weekend, I've been praying and thinking a lot about what I'm going to do. And last night we, it was a big general stir and envisioning about Jesus. but Today, both this morning and this evening, I really felt God took me back to passages, prophetic passages, or prophetic for me and for for Hastings, that I looked at many, many years ago. And actually, this particular one, I know I preached on twice because I found the notes. The most recent of those would have been 20 years ago, pretty well, in 1992. Um, because it was very much around us coming into this building, then called Boundaries, uh, uh, in 1982. But I know also I found an older uh, sort of notebook, and I thought, I think it's somewhere a year or two before that, because God had really laid on my heart this passage prophetically for us here in Hastings, for King's Church particularly. You're a visitor, welcome. It's not going to be totally in-house. It's going to apply to you as well. But honestly, that was what it was about. It was about speaking to us as a church here in Hastings. So the title I've given this is, thank you if you could put it up Liz, is Where Are We Going 3? Because I think this is the third time I've preached here on that passage and uh, I want to use it again this morning uh, in this context here at Hastings. Um, And so I'd like you to, to go with me to Exodus 23. And as I say, uh, although I may have used this in a general sense in other contexts, this is where God really spoke to me. Quite genuinely, I, I live with this for this for, for here, and I believe it's still relevant. Now, I think we'll read it first of all, and then I want to even then go on a little intro before we actually get stuck in on it. Let's read this unusual passage. You might think it's right in the middle of the Book of Exodus. But I believe it's something for us today. God's speaking to God's people, Israel. He says, see, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God... And his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year. Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert to the river. I will hand over to you the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will be a snare to you. Now obviously that has a context which we'll look at in a moment in its original setting. But I believe God helps us to understand what he's saying to us by a little bit understanding what he was saying to them. But I actually believe that this particular passage had a real... Application for us here in Hastings. So, you know, I'm trying to do two or three things at once, and I trust it will work for us. Right from early on, when we first started in the church here as a little house church in the 1970s, quite often God spoke to us about the Promised Land. It's interesting. We had at least one song on that. You've got a title of a seed, which I've got. Your CD, the Promised Land. It's lovely. Enjoy it. So, um, you know, it, it is relevant. Again, it was a prophetic picture, the promised land here. And um, I, I think I just want to explain it, seeing Hastings as a place where God wants to bless people and release them, but at the moment it's inhabited by giants and ruled by strongholds. Now, the enemy's got a grip, and in a sense the place is under his power, but God has promised us that he will release the prisoners and bring hope to the hopeless. And it's a place where God has decreed freedom and hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I honestly believe God has great plans for this town. I honestly believe it. I even would say we've already seen progress from those early times of the 70s when God spoke to us about that. I wouldn't have dreamt even of being here in this context, in this building, and this church, and all that you've done, all that's gone on in between, and all you're doing now. So already there's progress, but it's nothing like where I feel God wants to take us, which is why I mustn't run ahead of myself, because I want to really unpack this. Because what I believe God wants us to do is see his kingdom impact and change Hastings. And that's always been our vision, that the church should grow. I think it's got to be substantial. I believe God gave us this large building so that we could see something towards a thousand people worshipping and in community here. I don't think the figures are that precise, but it's got to be substantial for people to take notice of you. I think we really felt that God was speaking to us about a, a fairly substantial church. We won't be the only people taking the gospel to Hastings, but something where a thousand people would gather and gather and praise God and worship together. But that isn't the end by any means. It would be a community of people that would demonstrate God's kingdom by their lives would speak it with their words would, would pray it and see the power of God impacting this town which really would mean seeing substantial numbers of people saved, seeing as I've already said, hundreds of Natalies and the equivalent at all other age groups and levels, hundreds of local people saved, their lives revolutionised, their family life restored, hope where there wasn't hope and bringing change to this town. It's a promised land which at this point, Exodus 23, is locked up in many ways for the Israelites. It's God's promise, milk and honey, flowing with milk and honey, but actually it's ruled by very powerful forces, very powerful and very very, uh, intimidating in a way. There doesn't look much hope of them being able to take the promised land. And it can seem like that and has seemed like that from the beginning, about our own town and indeed our own country. But let's, let's, let's just be aware, God has promised, and when God promises something, he will do it. He will do it. Now, what will it mean to say, see the kingdom of God come to Hastings? Well, the, you don't have to look very far in scriptures. Jesus said the kingdom of God would mean the poor receive good news prisoners are set free, that's not just those in jails, though it can be in the right sense, but it's people imprisoned by sin and by Satan set free, blind receive their sight, the oppressed are released, the lame walk, the deaf hear, demons are expelled, dead are raised, and a time of God's favour is proclaimed. The time of God's grace for Hastings, God's favour for this area is proclaimed. You could take another scripture in the New Testament and say the kingdom of God is going to be righteousness, peace and joy through the work of the Holy Spirit. I would want every inhabitant of this town to experience righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you? We want to bring it. We want to bring salvation. We want to bring release. We want to bring healing, deliverance, joy, hope to the people of Hastings. And right from the start our hearts ached for that I think I said last night we, Don and I were working in the early 70s in a traditional church situation and working hard on evangelism doing lots of stuff, King's Road at a shop and then we did stuff on the, on the seafront and we, we saw quite a few young people relatively speaking, quite a few, 9 or 10 <laughs> it wasn't that many really, save and, 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 and sort of you know, tried to link them in with the church where we were and it just, just was like a culture clash it didn't work um, and and, and somehow God spoke to us and said you've got to look at the church which is what we did and we can talk about restoration of the church but the object was always because we're going to reach the town. Do you see what I mean? That was the whole thrust. You mustn't get sidetracked just looking at the church. It was a means to an end <laughs> because if we're going to meet we're going to see young people like that saved and we've got to work a bit differently in what we do once we've got them to, to know Jesus. And that's what what, that, what, what stirred us to start what we did here with the church. Now as we moved into this building 20 years ago God spoke to me out of this passage and that's where I, I want to focus for the next few minutes. I want to remind you if you were here then, I want to refresh I want to renew, I want to reestablish some of the things that were spoken at that time and some of the promises and some of the challenges. You can take this passage at two levels so if you're not Uh, if you're just visiting and passing through, it's not that it hasn't got anything for you. There is definitely general application, as well as specific, for us here at King's Church in Hastings. Because originally this passage was spoken to God's people in the Old Testament, to Israel, as they moved forward in the desert towards the Promised Land. And God warned them of an unprecedented time of conflict and conquest that was coming up. And I think God has said to us that it will be like that and I think that I want to re-emphasise this morning. I think you will find spiritual conflict and conflict that's very real, difficulties and challenges but God has promised conquest where you will actually see progress, things ground taken for him. But don't be surprised if you have to fight for it every step of the way. Everywhere where you put your foot, God will give you, but you have to actually make an effort to put your foot there. It's not just going to be on a plate. It never has been, and it won't be. And in that sense, it's good to have a leader who's got some steel, which I think we saw a little glint of this morning, because you need that. It's not an easy place to build the church, Hastings. Britain isn't, actually, UK. There's a lot of giants in the land and you need to be led well, and you yourselves need to be ready for conflict as well as conquest. Even this passage is is applied in the New Testament a little bit, just referred to, and it's it's indicated that this is God speaking to us. I, I can't get into it in detail, but there's a passing reference to this sort of time in Acts 7 when Stephen is speaking, and he says, he talks about Moses as leading the church in the desert, And he uses that phrase and there's a link there because the Bible sees one people of God really right through the covenant people of God. We're the new covenant people of God but in a sense these people in Exodus 23 are our forebears. They're they're our ancestors. They were walking with God in their time. They're the church in the desert. And Stephen goes on to say Moses received living words to pass on to us. Isn't that Interesting. Living words to pass on. So actually what was going on then was relevant to us. We are fellow citizens with them and part of God's people. But of course our covenant, the new covenant, is so much better. There's so much more for us to understand. And what is here in 23, we've just read, limited in a way. It's limited in time and space. It's limited in geography and in context. We have something on a much bigger scale, a much better covenant much better sacrifice, Jesus, and a much better uh, sort of outcome, really, or, or, or enabling. We've got the spirit and we've got all sorts of spiritual realities where they're just almost doing a natural sort of, sort of more limited experience. Ours is so much greater and better and uh, it's on a bigger scale worldwide. First the natural, then the spiritual. This is the natural, Exodus 23. God's doing something with them for their day and generation. But they've also got a lesson for us, a warning and a challenge and an encouragement. We on whom the end of the ages have come can learn so much from them, we who belong to Jesus. So I want to make six points quite quickly. Don't worry, because already what I've said is part of what I want to say, if that's not too Irish. What I mean is, that's not just like introduction. But I want to say six points that I want you to get this morning, quite quickly. So here's the first one. God is taking his people somewhere. That comes out in verse 20, if you could put that up, Liz. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Listen, God has never been into random, pointless exercises. God is not random. Now, we find mysteries in God's activity. We don't always understand everything, but this universe, this world, is not run by chance. It is not. There is a sovereign God who is in overall control. There really, really is. And he has plans and purposes. Now, he has on a world scale... But he has for you in Hastings. God has a place he's taking this church to. It's not random. It's not like, well, you know, there was was Don, there's John, and then there was Nigel, and now there's Paul, and it all sort of jogs and, you know, it's all a bit random, isn't it? No, no, it's not random. God has a plan. He's got the right people leading, the right lead elder at this point, with the right vision as part of the whole process. And actually, I personally, am in great faith, I can see God's hand all through the last 30 years, leading us, just like we're going to see later, I mustn't jump ahead, little by little, step by step, taking us towards the place he's prepared. We are not off course at all. I never really feel that at all, I honestly don't. I feel that God, quite excited, that God is moving on towards the place he's prepared for us. God's got a goal for this church. I think it is broadly to be probably twice or three times the size it is now and to have enough influence to impact the culture of the town and the district you live in which will bless many more than just that number who might gather here. The true and living God is working his purposes out as age succeeds to age and actually the goal is a lot more than just completing a building project. We were buying one then, now it's all bought I love what you're doing I think it needs the resources of all the offices and this is beautiful by the way I really like the chairs <laughs> I really do after 20 years of those green plastic things this is great the trouble is I, you know you could do, 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 doze off doze off doze off what's the word doze that's the word don't do it I couldn't even think of the word um, yeah I like, what's the these like, are these special ones for people like myself and Marion those little coat <laughs> huh? they're, the seats. they're the naughty seats oh no <laughs> Oh, there's some naughty seats over there. <laughs> That's great. I really, really do like it. It looks lovely. But it's all part. It's not about, in the end, just the buildings. These are means to an end. They're, actually, they are very important, very important for what God's doing here. Again, Natalie referred to that, what is it called, business? Pardon? Let's do business. That's right. Let's do business. See, and I think for years you've been very good on this, serving the community, people coming through the door, seeing what goes on here with Tracy and her team, serving the world. Well. That is part of bringing the kingdom, bringing an element of excellence and friendship and relaxation, but good quality, but not heavy, not over the top. But things can work in Hastings. You know, when we started the church well, I didn't start it, God started it, Don really was... Someone said to Don, back in the mid-70s, nothing works in Hastings. That's what I said to him. He had 12 people in his front room, which Mary and I were to. someone said to him, I wouldn't bother, nothing works in Hastings. Well, this has worked. Amen. And a lot more works, actually, but we're going to see a rolling back of that attitude because God is the God of this area as well as anywhere else. And just to, not just worship in here, but to use it as a resource to serve the community, but also to tell them a bit about God, quite low key at first, it's not all, you don't preach to the business people, do you? I suppose you don't they probably won't come back next year, but, but you do, nevertheless engage with them, they realise what goes on here, they will ask questions, it's all part, this resource is part of what God's called you to do. Right, let's go on quickly, God will lead us by his presence, second point that comes out in verses 20 and 21 See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way, to bring you to the place I've prepared. Pay attention to him. Don't rebel against him because my name is in him. That's important to understand because it says an angel and you can think, right, well, what's that all about? Well, there's this mysterious figure in the Old Testament called the angel of the Lord and he appears quite often, well, relatively often, he appears several times and whenever he appears... Actually, people worship him. The one you might know is Joshua, in Joshua 6, 5-6, where where this angel of the Lord appears and Joshua worships and that angel of the Lord, in inverted commas, accepts his worship, which which pure angels don't do. You should not worship angels and they don't want you to and they tell you not to. You can find that in the Bible as well. This character is generally recognised as a theophany. That is, he's God appearing as a man. So, uh, 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 it's like God's presence with you. God turns up. You know, there's a whole theology there to dig into. It could be the second person of the Trinity in his pre-incarnation form. It's God as a man before Jesus was born. Uh, It's a great, interesting thing. And some of you will think, oh, I'd like to hear more about that, if you're a sort of theology head. But you're not going to hear any more now. But what you are going to understand is that this is about God with his people. It's not really an angel. It's like... My name is in him, is the phrase there we've just looked at. In other words, God's character, my presence with you. Here's the thing, this is the important thing. These little, in a way, they weren't a very significant nation, Israel. They weren't very big. They weren't anything much against all the ones in Cana or anything about Egypt and all that. They were quite small. But the unique thing was they were God's people and God was with them in their midst. Emmanuel, God with them. Now it's exactly the same for us. The people on earth who God is with are the Jesus people. They're not just us and our group, I realise that. They're people who belong to Jesus, who know him as their Lord and Saviour, who are filled with the Spirit. People who are real Christians are the people where the living God dwells. Honestly, they are. They are the only temple of the living God on the planet. You can have all sorts of grotesque and glorious buildings called temples, but the only place where God puts his name, where the living God dwells, is the living stones of Jesus' followers when they come together. You can get all sorts of experiences in other temples, some of them might be alcohol, some of them might be just dramatic, impacting your senses, colours and and scents and and all sorts of amazing things. But the only place you will meet the living God is amongst true believers in Jesus worshipping him. I mean it. Just, it might seem extraordinary, but they're not really... So impressive as you have been to see some, I've seen some impressive temples, some scary ones too. But actually, whatever you're sensing there, you're not meeting God. Because where the living God's name is, is with those who follow Jesus. And we are a bunch of them. We're a small temple. The whole thing is the universal church. And there are other little local bodies as well, even around here. But we're concerned with ourselves for this morning. It's the right thing to do. So this body of people who love Jesus and are in relationship together are a living temple where God loves to dwell so when people come amongst you they will meet God if you are walking with him in good relationship with him and good relationship with each other he will love to be amongst you and people will come in and say wow there's something different here surely God's amongst you just by being who you are Because God says, my presence will go with you. My name will be with you. Do you believe that? Well, that's important. It's important we build healthy church because it welcomes the presence of God. And he loves to show himself amongst us. And so God will lead us by his personal presence. There's another aspect we could say to that, that we must be led by the Holy Spirit. And I think as the years have gone by, we have been. Now, being led by the Holy Spirit is slightly uncomfortable. I mean, people, even Christians and even leaders of churches, love to have five-year plans and uh, you know and targets, and that's really how we think in this last 20 years. But actually, being led by the Holy Spirit has never quite worked like that. Have you read the book of Acts? Have you read like Acts 16? Don't turn to it now. And just read Paul and the company ending up in Macedonia and ending up in Philippi, I think it is, But it's like like they said, we tried this and the door wouldn't open. The Holy Spirit forbade us to go there, whatever that meant. Did they have a prophetic word? Doesn't tell us. And they they did about three things that didn't work and then Paul has a vision in the night of a man in Macedonia and they all agreed that's where we should go. Now that is being led by the Spirit. But it was the same for Israel. This Israel in Exodus 23 were led by a cloud. How did you explain being led by a cloud? I mean... Come on, most every other nation, every other nation at this point had a king. They had a someone strong warrior, the biggest, toughest guy, and he told you what to do. And your king was better than my king. It was a bit like my dad's better than your dad. You know who's your king? You imagine all this goes on, and then an Israelite they say, "Well, how do you? Who leads you?" Um, We get led by a cloud, actually. (laughs) What? You know, which cloud, you know? Well, we, sometimes it sort of stays around for a few days, and sometimes it's a long time, and then sometimes it sort of moves along like that, and we follow it. <laughs> My word. But actually, actually, being Christians is, is, is not, it's not irrelevant to us. The cloud is like the Holy Spirit, you have to be led by the Spirit. You have to be free enough and open enough for God to say things to you. For God to do stuff that you hadn't quite expected. For that mixture of the witness of the Spirit, the words, prophetic words, and something even in circumstances all coming together. thinking Actually, God's calling us to do this now in the town. He's opening this door and God seems to be in it. And, and it's not to create as I say a chaos but actually there is an uncomfortable glorious freedom that you're led by the spirit don't ever lose that will you you haven't lost it but don't lose it you need to remain people who follow his presence right God will fight for us let's try and hurry up God will fight for us look at verse 22 Liz will put it up if you listen carefully to what he is talking about this angel of the Lord he says and do all I say I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you Right, this world is not only materialistic, it's not only what you see. There is obviously God, who you don't see, but who's very active, and there are demonic forces at work in this world. I assure you that is true. And we understand that more in our day than probably in the old covenant under Moses. Jesus has made it abundantly clear by his own activity when he brought the kingdom, when he was moving around, quite a lot of his healing and his ministry was linked to deliverance, getting rid of demons. Not all, but quite a few, duff, deaf and dumb and all the other, and deaf ones too. So, so, so you know, it's, that was there, but then as it's unpacked in the New Testament, you get Ephesians 6, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's very easy to focus on flesh and blood. When some local counsellor or something doesn't let you do something a church wants to do, or when people just get nasty with you when you think, oh, we're trying to do something nice, and they suddenly say, And you've got to remember, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Don't make them your enemies. I mean, you've got to stand up for yourself like we saw last night. Peter and John didn't back, they weren't cowed by the Sanhedrin, you've got to stand up for yourself. But on the other hand, you've got to realise the real fight is behind them. Which is why prayer is so important, brothers and sisters. Which is why I support Paul in his call in a time of prayer and fast to really go for it. Because we don't fight with normal weapons, not with fleshly weapons. It's spiritual weapons. And they're odd by our thinking we can say, isn't it a bit of a waste of time to pray? No, it isn't. It's how you fight the battle. God fights for you, but he seems to respond to our prayers in a unique way. It's part of the mystery of human responsibility and God's sovereignty. You could say, I think it's a little bit like this on my blog, you could say, why should we bother to pray? What's it all about? All I can tell you is Jesus kept telling us to pray. I think 21 times he taught on prayer and Jesus himself prayed. And he's the son of God, for goodness sake. If he needed to pray, I think you and I might need to, don't you? He got up early to pray, prayed all night. You think, I'm, I don't think I've hardly ever prayed all night, but Jesus seemed to need to. <laughs> and you think, oh dear, there must be something in prayer. And Jesus kept, his teaching is almost... Almost hard to grasp somehow He says, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Keep on asking. And he tells us about the widow who came. You think, well, if God wants to do it, won't he do it? He said, the persistent widow is a good example. Learn from her. Well, there's something in there, isn't there? And that is one of the ways we're going to fight. Spiritual weapons. God fights for us, but he actually seems to respond to our prayers. Now, there's a vast array of Jebusites, Perizzites, and Hittites in this land and in Hastings. They're not, of course, Jebusites and the rest. They're demonic strongholds. In our day, in our generation, there are serious spiritual strongholds that are set up against the knowledge of God. Not, I can list many, but atheism is a newish one a sort of arrogant atheism, which is seeped into all the media and is almost, it's sort of, sort of a humanism. Atheism is almost the received wisdom, you know, that actually that's what the real people, the clever people, the smart people, are really pretty well atheistic, humanistic, and you're a bit thick if you're not. Now that's a strong, that's a, that is a classic, 1 Corinthians 10, stronghold, a, a something that's set up against knowledge of God. We've got to pray it down. We've got to pray and preach and speak the truth. That's how you do it, and live the truth. But there's many others. Obviously, materialism, there's pornography and sexual perversion. That's huge in our nation. The amount of pornography, the amount of people that are locked in and bondage to pornography, it is like a stronghold. It's so, so available through the internet. I mean, it's in another world. When I was a teenager, doing my little um, paper round... I got a chance, certainly from a nice Christian home, you never get any other chance, to look at dirty magazines. And I felt so guilty and so confused, but it was sort of like fascinating, and they were hidden away in the newspaper shop, and because I did a paper round, I got a little glimpse. I mean, sadly, it's on phones, it's on the internet, it's just an open sewer all over the place. I mean, it's a phenomenal battle, but we're going to fight it, because it's wrong, it's sinful. It's bondage creating. It's an abuse of men and women. And it holds our nation. There's all sorts of things. There's rebellion. I think even our country, there's even a despair death stronghold. Fascination with death. We're aborting babies one end. We're very eager to kill them off quickly the other end. We're always on about, you know, I don't know. There's a sort of mixture of fear and fascination with death. I, I do, I think there's, a, there's a weird things, there's weird things, I could go on about it, but our nation and Hastings is quite a despairing, low self-worth bo- stronghold, like nothing will happen in Hastings. That's not true. That's a demonic, that was a demonic attack on Don. Say, so, no, in Jesus' name, if Jesus has called us to do it, that is the, 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 the demonic stronghold, one of them of this area, whispering and saying, you ain't going to do anything here. Nothing works here. We keep it poor, we keep it low, we keep it failing. We don't. People of Hastings are lovely. They need Jesus. I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about demonic things, OK? Don't misunderstand me. We need Jesus. There is no need for us to be kept down and under for things to be, for, to, be to so much. We can look at all the indicators, so much sexual abuse, so much child abuse, so much. It's going to change with the gospel. I'm not fatalistic, or Hastings will always be like that. No, it won't always be like that. And there's plenty of examples historically, if you want proof. When the gospel comes, it can radically change communities. Yes. Really change them. And it will, and it is continue. It's. I think it's begun, but it will go a lot further than it has already. Because God's promised blessings for his people. Let's move on to the fourth one. Verses 25 and 26. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing upon your food and water. Take away sickness. None will miscarry or be barren in your land and give you full lifespan. Now here, there's a lot of interesting things. Basically here, God is, this is very much an old covenant thing at one level. God is saying, right, if you walk with me, if you do exactly as I said, as, I go into the, as you go into the promised land, I will keep you well. I'll keep you long live, living and, and fit and healthy. Everything will be blessed. That's good. That's its setting. Now, many Christians have said that was old covenant, so today it's all spiritual. And in the new covenant, well, you know, you can't expect to get blessing physically and provision and healing and that stuff. You know, only a few American preachers preach that. That's all. Old. No, look, let me tell you, we are in a better covenant. A better covenant. And in my opinion, it's better at every level. What did Jesus spend most of his time doing? Healing people. He went around delivering those oppressed by the demon. He went around making people who were physically ill better. Now, I'm not, I'm not experiencing everybody healed and I'm not sadly yet at a point where I can confidently say I would expect everybody I pray for to be healed. But i tell you this, my God is a healing God. He's a healing God even back there in Exodus 32:3. And if you then take Jesus as as the best manifestation of God, the image of the invisible God, which is what he is, he seems to spend an awful lot of time helping the poor and sick. Doesn't he? I tell you, God has always been interested in that. God is for healing. He's for provision, too, of your needs. God will meet your needs as you walk with him. The new covenant is not a lesser covenant than the old. It's far better and it goes far further. And we need to grow in confidence that we can pray. I know the battles. We have them as well. You can pray and God will bring change to physical situations, healings, but also to provision when you have financial needs, that God is a God who is for you and a provider and a protector. And I want you... I just felt, as I even prayed over this this morning, I felt to add this point, at this point. In a season of giving, I want to give you a faith focus. Jesus Christ said this. Just listen. Jesus. Give, and it will be given to you, good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus promised his disciples, give and it will be given to you, pressed down, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now David Livingstone, in the 19th century, the great missionary lived by many of the promises Jesus made, such as this one, and such as, I will be with you, I will never leave you or forsake you, I'll be with you to the end of the age. Because David Livingstone said this, in his wonderful Victorian way, I always trust the promise of Jesus, they are the words of a gentleman. (laughs) That's a Victorian way of saying, what Jesus says, Jesus will do. They're the words of a gentleman. They haven't changed in the 21st century. Christians, like David Livingstone, say, I go into Africa believing that if Jesus has promised to be with me and to meet my needs, he will. And I think we need to live like that. Personally, not just as the church, you need to le- realise that if you seek first God's kingdom, he will add these things to you. And in a season of giving, it will hurt. You are sowing seed, and it should probably cost you a bit. You sow with tears, but you will reap with joy. God is no man's debtor. I want you to be in faith in the middle of your season of giving that give and it will be given to you is the word of a gentleman. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. With the measure you give it, it will be measured back to you. That's the words of a gentleman, the gentleman we follow. It's not a very 21st century way of describing Jesus, but he is a gentleman. He's a man of his word. Amen? Just remember that. God is for you, not against you. Satan loves to tell you he's against you. He's been trying to do that since the Garden of Eden. That's really what he said to Adam and Eve. Oh, did God say that? Yeah, he's holding out on you, actually. It's going to be a lot better when you make your own decision about good and evil. God knows you'll be like God's. He's holding you back. Now, that's Satan's line all the time. That's always his line. It's nothing new. But actually, God is not against you. He's not holding you back. He's not a meanie. He's not trying to make you miserable. He's trying to make sure you don't enjoy anything. That is never the heart of God. God is for you. He is for your blessing, your prosperity, your provision, your protection. God is a good God. And you need to believe him and follow him and let him be good in your life. Rise up and follow this God and let him provide. Be radical. Be radical with your giving and say, Jesus The word of a gentleman, look after my needs and meet them as I go into the year ahead. Well, let's look at the fifth one. We have a part to play. I've got two, I've got one quite, sorry, Exodus 23. It's quite a long bit, if you could just put it up, Liz, though. There's three verses which which sort of summarise this. There's quite a, a clear instruction. Listen carefully to what God says. Do what I say, I'll be an enemy to your enemies and oppose those who oppose you. Don't bow down to their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish their gods and and the sacred stones. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. We have a part to play, brothers and sisters, if we're going to see God fulfill all he's promised to do here for us in Hastings. Here it is, and it's, I think, a very close parallel to some of the things here. Do not bow down to their gods or follow their practices. If this is going to work, we have got to be distinctive from the culture around us. Not in a silly way, like what we wear. That's obvious, you've understood that. You all look perfectly normal. I'm pleased to say this morning, you're not wearing funny clothes or dressed like you are in the 19th century. That's good. So, commendation but actually you are going to be different by almost everything you do. The way you react to problems, the way you react to filthy stuff, the way you react to difficulties, as I said, the way you, you, you show love, what you offer. To, you, know, you, you, you can't even list it because you are of a different people. You're the people of God. So there will be something distinct, and, and you do different things with your money. You give them away. Instead of just making more for yourself and trying to get a bigger and better lawnmower or whatever it is, people are after these days. You know, that's not lawnmowers, is it, really? (laughs) iPad. Something like that. So, there's nothing wrong with, if you can afford them, there's nothing wrong. I happen to have one. (laughs) But, but actually, what I'm trying to say is, these are not the things you look for in life. You just live completely differently, even though you're in amongst everybody and you're not weird. But you don't, bow down to their gods and follow their practices. And if you do, you lose all your spiritual cutting edge and in a sense you don't fulfil God's purpose. That's a scary bit. It is possible to be compromised and we mustn't. It's in the New Testament as well. Let's just listen to this. I'm going to read it to you. A few verses from 1 John 2 from the Message version. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. That's the message. Basically, we have got to live differently from a world which is all about wanting for yourself, appearing important, and wanting your own way, which is pretty well how the world works. We've got to keep clear of it. It's a sober fact that Moses' church, and this is sober, guys, blew it. Actually, the Moses lot blew it. Joshua took them in. But Moses blew it. They didn't get it right. So they didn't lose their salvation by their terms. They didn't go back to Egypt but they never fulfilled God's best purpose for them. Not the generation out of Moses didn't. They blew it. And in the New Testament, they use as an example and a challenge to us that we don't do the same. It's in 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to miss out that quote from the commentary. It's just too long-winded and we haven't got a lot of time. 1 Corinthians 6, look at this. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. These things happened to them as examples and were written down for us as warnings, we on whom the fulfilment of the ages has come. Let's, let's just hold the verse there for a moment. These, we're meant to look at them and learn. And one of the things we're meant to learn is Don't compromise on the big stuff with God or you don't fulfil to the full God's best purpose for you. That's the sober challenge And and I can't take away from it. I don't personally think it is about your eternal salvation but it is about entering into the good things God's got for you. This generation under Moses blew it. We do not have to. This is not a theoretical warning. Let's not compromise Our basic values. Don't live like the world lives. Amen? Be different. It's not always easy. You could sum up some of the things and they're mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10 which we're not going to look at. These were some of the big stuff they did wrong. They started worshipping the idols of the people in the country. They worshipped the same idols. Don't do that. They got into sexual immorality... Don't do that. That's what they got into. And they also, thirdly, became grumblers and caused division. These are three things mentioned in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, Paul says, be careful because they ended up in idolatry, sexual immorality and grumbling and divisiveness. Don't do it. Can I say, those are as relevant as the 2nd of October 2011 to us. If we are going to fulfil God's best for us, don't get into worshipping their values and idols. We love people, we don't love their values and their idols. Don't get into sexual immorality and don't get into serious grumbling and divisiveness. I say serious because I've got to have a clear conscience. I do have a little grumble sometimes. Now, I'm not proud of that and I do ask God to forgive me if I feel I've gone a bit too far moaning about Guy Miller or Terry Virgo or somebody. But, you know, because you do. But actually... To be honest with you, it's very dangerous if you give in to it. If you become deeply ingrained, complaining and criticising and embittered, it will lead nowhere in God. Don't do it. We have had the joy of having a united church ever since the beginning. One of the things I just thank God for about King's Church Hastings, even from the days when it was Hastings Christian Fellowship, was that we have never had a split We've had people leave. We've had people leave and be cross with us. I can remember certain people being very cross with me and writing me letters telling me how awful I was and I was off, you know, I was unrighteous and things. I remember, I think we had a letter once we had to talk about from the front because it was sent to all of you back in the early 90s. Don't worry about that. We've never had a major split. We've never had a big breakup. Please God, let's never have one. Never. I mean, it's... It's a very basic thing, but it doesn't half help to achieve what God's called you to. You spend all your time and energy fighting splits. It's, it's, well, the devil's laughing his head off. Now, thank God we don't. Let's keep it that way. And let's go forward to fulfil. Finally, sick, this is the last one. The progress will not be instant. Now, I think this is fascinating. Let's look, it'll not be quick, perhaps would have been a better word. Let's look at Exodus 23, verse 30. It's the last verse I want to look at just as I finish. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I believe God spoke this to us very distinctly those early times, 20, 25 years ago. I think we will find that a characteristic of how God takes us, where he's going to take us, and it may well be that it looks, look with a perspective of time. It's several decades, I think, four, five. You know, it might might seem quite a long time, but the progress will be characterised like this: little by little, step by step, stage by stage. That will be how it seems. But do you know there's a wisdom in that? The reason God said you're going to do that, he tells them, is he said, I'm not asking you just, he's not interested in just winning wars here, just beating up the enemy. He wants them to establish his kingdom in the promised land. He wants them in their terms to be able to settle on the land, to to have proper farming, proper agriculture, to make it their land where God's values dominate. That's what they're meant to do. Now, we're the same. We are not just interested in... Oh, I've got a thread here, sorry. I hope the whole thing doesn't... It's been tickling me. I thought it was a fly for the last half hour. All right, sorry, that wasn't very relevant. We are not interested in just responses only to the gospel. We're not interested in just bums on seats. Nice though it is to have bums on seats. We're not interested in them alone. We want people saved and added to the church... We want people whose whole value system changes. That's why we do things like foundation school. We want people who get free from the past, from the oppression and the bondage Satan had them in. We want people who are able to live their family life in a totally different kingdom of God way for the future. Amen? We want people who live differently in business, are different in their school, whatever it is, because we're not just doing a quick fix thing, we are taking land. And we're establishing something that has an element of longevity to it and impact. It's not fly by night. It's in and out. Oh, it's another quick sweep through, another, enemy, another army swept through, and they went again. No, no, no. God said it'll be little by little, and he tells them, I don't want you know, the wild animals to get back in. I want, I want you to be able to change the whole face of the land. And that's what God wants here. He wants to change the town. He doesn't just want uh, one quite successful, quite biggish church wants to impact the the town. Amen? And I believe it will have a characteristic of little by little. Now, it is a battle. It feels like a battle. It's always felt like a battle. It's a battle to see people saved. That is a battle. It's a big battle. It's a battle to see people changed and set free. It's a battle to see them added to the church at all. It's a battle to see people healed when you're praying for the sick. It's a battle to pull down strongholds of wrong thinking, whether it be legalism on a religious side or worldly thinking on another side. It's a battle. It seems you have to fight for each each footstep. Yep, that's how God said it would be. i tell you that. That's part of the prophetic thing. It will be you fight for each step, but God is with you and fighting for you. And little by little, you will take the land. Step by step, you will go forward. God has promised it, and it is how it has happened. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. God wants then to refocus you, as I close, on what he's doing. He's taking you on a journey somewhere. It's to be bigger physically, I would say, than you are now because people are saved and added. But it is to impact the town. It's to perhaps even demonstrate a different way of not only living in terms of morality, but a different expectation. God's for us. God's a a good God. He's a providing God. God is a God who brings righteousness, peace and joy. You're just demonstrating something. I'm quoting John Groves now, as I end. I'm quoting the John Groves of probably about 1992. And I said this when I was preaching on this. God, and we, It was actually when we just moved into this building. God has called us to a cause beyond ourselves, bigger than ourselves, beyond self-fulfillment, beyond self-awareness. That cause is the extension of God's kingdom and its clearest focus is in the building of his church. God has called us to build a church here in Hastings which is an embassy of heaven, which is a rescue shop. It's going to be stretching and exciting but like this promised land of this generation, in our day and our time it is just as real and just as big a battle as 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 it was for them in their day. And I feel it's the same. I feel the same thoughts, same excitement. It's not negative, it's very positive. And this morning as we end, I want God to just dispel any sense of apathy, fear, discouragement, doubt. And I want God to build up your joy and your faith and your obedience and your expectation of the great things he is still to do. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for you before we worship. Perhaps the band could come up. Thank you. But I want to pray for you as well. And then we're just going to finish with a song or so. Probably I've overrun by five minutes. Sorry about that. I did let myself go a bit. It's alright. You've got it under control, Paul. Whatever's under control. (laughs) No, we haven't got it under control. (laughs) I just want to pray for you as a church. I may, may pray a couple of prayers. Let's just be before God. Lord, I thank you for the path you've taken us on over the last 30-plus years. I thank you for all you have done with us over that time, Lord. I thank you that your word is true. You have led us little by little, stage by stage. You have dealt with enemies we didn't understand, even that stood in our way when we bought this building. You dealt with them, Lord. We didn't deal with them. You dealt with them. And they faded away in the end and evaporated. And Lord, you've given us favour in this town. Actually, quite unusually so. Many times I've heard, and I've been excited, i heard when Nigel was here and now with Paul, what, what goes on in this building? and Just how the, the, the flow of goodwill, almost, I think, we can genuinely say, goes on around us and the town. Lord, I thank you for the favour you've given us. But Lord, I believe we're here to bring a greater blessing to Hastings. We're here, Lord, to see thousands of people saved, thousands of families changed, to bring hope to all sorts of people who are this morning hopeless. Lord, will you strengthen us? Lord, will you empower us? Will you build us up, yes, Lord. even as we are here together this morning? Build us up, Lord. Give us courage. Give us patience and faith. And Lord, I pray that you will meet every need as you've promised. Lord, as we go forward in another stage of the building, a little by little thing really, taking it forward, developing it, Lord, provide for all the needs. Let there be generous giving. Let there be a release of money. I pray for stories of miraculous provision for individuals who are able to give in to the building project. I pray, Lord, you'd keep on meeting our needs. And I pray for any who feel depressed or despondent just because of the weary with the long battle. Lord, lift their heads this morning. Yes. Lift their hearts. May you just waft over them your spirit. May it just be a, like a fresh air, like sea air. It can be so freshing if you live in a, in a city and suddenly it's all fr- Lord, just come by your Holy Spirit. Yes. Just bring. A, oh, God's with us. It is, he is with us. Lord, sometimes it's not, we don't need ideas, we just need you to touch us just touch us this morning as we've been together and as we sing these final songs just touch our hearts and lift our, our vision Lord and inspire us I pray in Jesus name Amen thanks Lucy yeah yeah
0: yeah we haven't played this song for a, quite a while but I really feel that it's the right song so hopefully we won't budge it too much If you've got um, small children um, that are out in the um, children's work, please can you go and collect them now and release the workers. You can bring them back in. We don't mind a bit of noise. Come, Lord. You're the God of this city. You're the God of this city. You're the king of these people. You're the lord of this nation. You are. You're the light in this darkness. You're the hope to the hopeless. You're the peace to the restless. You are. There is no one like our God. There is no one like our God. Greater things. Greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Yeah, yeah. The greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done. You're the God, you're the God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no one there is no one like I God. there is no one like I God. God, the greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city.